So this was your opportunity uh, to let us know if something's bugging you on the Overnight Scape Central. And, well, uh, uh, sometimes I come up with a topic that excites, captures the imagination, and sometimes... Uh, I figured this is like the ideal time to let people vent and just go. But uh, I guess maybe we're all vented out or we don't even know anymore. I, mean, I, I Everything I think of that I would vent about, it really... I'm, I'm ready to just turn it all on myself for having gotten caught up in such insanity in the first place. There you have it. Um, but yeah, something bugging you? Uh, we got me and Frank Edward Nora are here. And uh, you do have the opportunity to do a follow-up. Uh, you know, that's when... Well, I, I, this used to work a lot better. Let me digress a little. I used to also do a regular, a couple times a week to, you know, a few times a week show called The Quake Reversal Satellite. And I do this every week. And if somebody missed talking about the topic or they heard the show and wanted to do a follow-up, they'd send it in and then I would put that on the other show and you know you'd get people listening to both shows who might not listen to both shows was my thinking at the time but now the other show is kind of I don't think I've done it in a couple months. Uh, it, it's always been kind of sporadic and unreliable. There have been times where for a period of time it's been just about daily and then it does what it's doing now and disappearing off into and seeming to be fading and who knows one day i will do a quick reversal satellite show thinking you know just another show and it'll turn out to be that last one i don't see myself doing the last quick reversal satellite no i don't think that's happening and the heat is always a factor this time of year and um yeah that that that's how that goes but uh yeah it, this is the venting show so to speak and and i'm curious i'm curious what gets to frank edward nora so uh, take my hand we'll have a seat and uh let's go directly to him so i went down to see my father uh, with my wife denise and then on, on the way back i i felt fine but as soon as i got home I started feeling sick, and I got a fever, and I and I, I laid down, and I I was just like zonked out, and uh, uh, I thought I had COVID again, and uh, I was like literally just, I, I would get up for a few minutes, and I would go back to sleep. Um, finally, about twenty four hours later, I I felt better, <laughs> so I, I had a twenty four hour bug. So something's bugging me. Literally, I had I had the twenty four hour bug. Um, I'm going to test again today for COVID, but I don't think it's COVID. Thank goodness. Though it really bugs me that I, I, I'm missing this event today. My cousin Vinny is introducing uh, this movie, The General, with, um, what's the guy's name? Buster, Ke Buster Keaton. At a theater that, he, that he's involved with, the local theater. So they're going to show the movie as a fundraiser, and I really wanted to go, and uh, but, you know, with the whole COVID thing, you know, got to isolate and stuff in case you have it. It just really bugs me. But, yeah, of course, you know, there's a lot of stuff that, that bugs me. Um, I mean, first and, and foremost, um, the 
glaring, gaping mysteries are all around us. Uh, what is what is this place? How how did we get here? Right. The lack of an explanation for how we're here, this world of human beings, the nature of consciousness, all the big questions that bugs me every day. Existential angst, so to speak. Yeah, that's, you know, a major, a major thing that bugs me. Something else that bugs me is, is the, how people react to the Mandelbrot set. Most people never even heard of it. This was a discovery in the 1980s, right? A mathematical formula that, produ formula that produced a pattern you could zoom into infinitely, right? With infinitely a complex kind of uh, patterns, the Mandelbrot set. Um, the fact that people don't know what it is and the fact that they, even if they do, I'm like, do you understand what this reveals about reality? Like, people don't even get it. It's anno that annoys me. That bugs me. That, that people don't acknowledge the mystery. They don't acknowledge what an like, almost impossibility it is that this thing could exist. But I guess a lot of, a lot of stuff that, that bugs people is being annoyed with other people, right? This is, this is the, the central bug, bugness, right? And this, and this brings up an issue that I don't know if it really bugs me. But the idea uh, that human beings are susceptible to a process, for lack of a better term, that you could call brainwashing, right? And that in today's society, at least in the U.S. here, the, the brainwashing, uh, you know, is done via television. And people are, uh, a lot of people are very much um, brainwashed into a state of mind on, either, and, you know, on either the, the left or the right side. And those on the left are really annoyed by those on the right and vice versa. I mean, I guess the reason it doesn't necessarily bug me is that, well, I mean, I guess at some level have I escaped that fate? Uh, I think to some degree I have. I, I don't identify with either group. But I also think that, uh, for example... Going back to Aldous Huxley's uh, Ultimate Revolution talk, you know, these, these uh, oligarchs, as he calls them, will, will control things one way or the other. Living in a world under the thumb of control of these unknown individuals, this system where people's minds are altered via television and drugs and other things, could be seen as a kinder, gentler sort of control than the pure terroristic control, which we're seeing a little little bit of now in terms of um, blatant censorship and things like that. Um, but anyway, I'm saying, yes, obviously I would like to see the world be a better place overall. But in, in you know, I think that this system that we have now, perhaps a, a lesser of the evils, Oh, it's annoying. Even thinking about this stuff and talking about this is, is annoying. How all our country is brainwashed and, this, and and it's because of this. Ah, shut up. What am I telling myself to shut up? I'm very, I really didn't realize how annoyed I was. I really am. I'm, I'm quite annoyed. I do get, I do get annoyed at, I mean, I, I, I would say more mystified than annoyed, but talking to people that otherwise seem like they would know about like cool pop culture stuff. You start talking to them <laughs> if they're below a certain age, they'll they'll not have heard about anything. Every 
every pop culture reference you throw at them, they'll never have heard of. You know, <laughs> have you heard of the Rolling Stones? What? Oh, the magazine? No, the band. <laughs> Things like that, you know. I don't know if it was ever that bad, but... But I'm sure once, if you know, being that someone that's now 25 was born in the year... Um, uh, what, 1997. And they grew up with a very narrow band of children's entertainment. That's why they didn't had never heard of anything. Um, movies, music, TV shows, all, oh my God. That, the pop culture immersion of Generation X. And I think the millennials to some degree. It just doesn't exist. And that does annoy me. Because I think that however you... You slice it, this uh, being immersed in, in pop culture is, I don't know, a wonderful thing. And uh, I mean, if you step back and look at it, um, I guess, you know, as I was talking about on my show, highbrow versus lowbrow culture, it's essentially an obsession with uh, a, 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 a range of essentially lowbrow culture, right? But I love it. So, it annoys me when people never heard of anything. <laughs> As I'm I'm all I'm always looking to increase my knowledge and increase my uh immersion in pop culture. Another thing that bugs me is that, you know, I follow a vegan diet. You know, I'd prefer to say that to the I'm vegan. You know, I know commonly speaking I'm vegan. But, you know, it's I'm just annoyed that it has become such a politicized thing on the one hand and, you know, perhaps related how people don't seem to understand it in the least. Right. Like you go to a restaurant and most people, you know, you talk to the to the the waiter or the waitress, or whatever, and they they're like they don't understand it. They're like, oh, is it vegan? Um, well, it doesn't have eggs in it. You know, something they just. It's really annoying. And and also the fact that, listen, I am not one of those vegans that's trying to tell everyone to, to become vegan. But I would like there to be options for me to eat when I go out. And it, it's just very simple. Just make food that doesn't have animal products in it. And, and yet it does seem to be uh, <clears throat> uh, very difficult to, you know, find stuff to eat. And then you have to sort of guess, could this be vegan? You know, uh, a plate of, of uh, celery and carrots. Could that possibly be vegan? What could they do to make it non-vegan? And then they, they probably will do something to make it non-vegan. Oh, honey glazed. Okay, there you go. Honey is made of insects, made out from insects. It's like insect dairy, okay? It's like the milk of, of the bee. And something else that annoys me is, is, is the, the word and the concept vegetarian. It is because uh, I used to be vegetarian. The whole idea that that you can eat uh, you can eat dairy, you can eat milk, essentially, and you can eat eggs, and all the milk derivatives and stuff, but not meat. So the idea that it's uh, you don't kill the animal directly, but obviously those animals are killed anyway. Um, when I go to a restaurant, the word vegetarian is meaningless to me. I can't eat stuff that's labeled vegetarian necessarily because it implies there's dairy in it i mean i'm very very happy to be vegan it feels great it makes me very happy all the time 
and I think the food is more delicious and more varied in 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 what would seem to be a very uh, contradictory way. And uh, yeah, I would never go back. Yeah. But hey, you can do what you want. I'm just saying. I think vegan is the vegan way is great, and I think the future is vegan as well. But as we discovered on the recent exit ramp. Uh, so I was talking about all these lofty future futurist topics, and as soon as I got to the vegan thing, everyone was like, "Wait a minute, Frank! I was with you till the till you talked about the vegan thing." Then, yeah, kitties. My cats are not vegan cats, though. You know, some vegans have vegan cats, but you know, the vegan cat food—I don't know. I don't know if it's going to be that that good for them. So I make an exception for the cats, as they are literally carnivores. You know. Kitties, you don't want vegan food, do you? No, kitties. Kitties. I admire people like you, Frank, that can do this because it. I, the science says it's healthier. Uh, I just, I couldn't. Once they get it to the point where it's all simplified and everything, you just go and there's vegan food everywhere, and you don't have to like feel like you have to peek into the kitchen to see if they're touching your food with the same spatula and I'm actually wondering I mean yes if you're a vegan you want to be conscious of this but at the end of the day that the spatula touched a hamburger and then they made some patty with the same is it that much Can I don't know I'm, I'm not like trying to I just have no idea. Is it the five-second rule? I mean, you don't you don't want to mess with your diet, especially if you're doing it for your health. That much I understand. I just happen to be one of those where I just was never... I, I have a very unhealthy diet, and I've never been, like, that unhealthy because of what I eat. I mean, I can... There, there have been times... I have lived on like Reese's peanut butter cups, coffee, and cigarettes, and pastries for days at a time. Uh, just fried, deep fried fare from convenience stores, coffee and cigarettes for a time. Um, I have been that, that poor and uh, spending my money budgeting it elsewhere like paying rent and things and yeah that's the pq river way but uh, some of these new and i don't know if you actually like breed steaks like they're doing in a lab where does that stand is that a living thing now we're getting into what's a living animal and what's a living vegetable i mean if it's made from the dna construct that makes animals it's an animal i don't know i and to have to make these decisions when i'm hungry that's really not going to work because it's it's not 
it's just not going to work. Let's leave that at that and move on. Because I got more notes here. Up the, the, the weird combos of today's food. I mean, food used to be pretty, at least where I grew up in upstate New York. And I'm sure different places had the different standard fare. But there were things on the menu. A hot, open, roast beef sandwich. You went just about anywhere you had that. Types of sandwiches, the way breakfast would be presented. Oh, that like you go down south and certain places, it's like if you don't want brains with your eggs, it just, oh man, in certain places, I mean, I wouldn't want to be a vegan and go to some places in, say, rural Mississippi and try to find anything you're going to eat. Because it's just. And I don't know how sympathetic they'll be with your plight, sweetheart. <laughs> oh, man, those Southerners. They're, 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 there is a Southern hospitality. But if you're not eating what they're eating and you're not drinking what they're drinking, uh, yeah, well, that that happens. I mean, and I can understand that. You know, what's the matter? You think you're better than me? Then, yeah, I don't know. I think my food is better than your food, which is nowadays just as bad. Um, maybe. Uh, and the Mandelbrot set. That, that's, I mean, it fascinates me, but it really quickly, I see that this is, if I really fall into it, uh, it, it could just take up too much of my limited time. And if I don't fall into it, uh, I understand what it means. And it's a tricky business. It, it's our senses again. You know, our sight is so... It's hard to tell whether this is a function of our brains running our eyes or whether this is the actual reality that we're in, or a little of both, as far as that goes. And, uh, and, and is it angst, or is it angst? Let's all vote. Maybe that'll be the topic of a future Overnightscape Central. And speaking of 24-hour bug, yeah, I'm just coming off of uh, just like the queasy... Head. I, I get these from time to time. And they're not quite 24 hours. They're usually 12 to 18 hours. Like 24 hours, I'm back to normal. But, um, yeah, it's queasy, headachey, not completely debilitated, but right on the edge of it. And, like, ugh. And I just came off of one of those. I uh, woke up. I usually wake up in the middle of the night for a little bit, read a little or whatever. And, yeah, I wasn't, I, I felt it, and it wasn't good. So, yeah, you go back to sleep, and you wake up, and, ugh. But, uh, yeah, uh, after I took a, I felt kind of better, but still blah this afternoon. Then I took a nap and woke up and... I feel a little wiped out, but as far as there's no headache and I'm not queasy, which is, yeah, that day or that, that moment you realize you're not sick anymore is just that that's one of the great feelings of the world, is it not? Yeah, overall, I mean, I guess 
I'm not annoyed by the state of affairs in the in the world today as much as because I feel like this world that we know of as, you know, here in the United States in the year 2022 in this timeline. I always got to throw that word in in this timeline. Do you ever know you ever knows about timelines? This this is something that it does kind of bug me, you know. Like we're the the idea of alternate timelines has become so prevalent in our for me personally, and then also in our science fiction and in our, uh, you know, even in some degree in science. Um, but there's still no proof of it. There's no proof of alternate timelines. So, but anyway, I feel at some level that this, um, this world we're living in <coughs> is, um, is one out of innumerable worlds that sort of coexist and, it is messed up and it's weird, but it's wonderful in its own way. <coughs> but it's the kind of place that, as it is, uh, you know, uh, some big, I call you know, what did I call it one time? This circus earth. That to be here, you, you know that, you know what this place is all. I'm coming from a perspective that at a higher level, you know, and the simplest way of looking at this is that this is a computer simulation, right? That this is a game, right? And that if you're coming in here, you know what you're in for and you know what you know what you're going to get. You know it's messed up. So that's why I'm not necessarily annoyed by it because I think it still does have those qualities that makes it uh, unique, right? Another thing that annoys me is what's the right way of putting it? It's basically our to, essentially the topic is how other people perceive us, how how we come across to other people, right? That we don't know how how we're kind of coming across to other people, how they're perceiving us, you know. Um and it does, and I feel like, specifically, like, I, I work at a place where there's a lot of younger people, and I'm kind of, you know, older and starting, see, this is something that annoys me, is that I'm balding, but I don't see it when I look in the mirror, but there's a bald spot on the top of my head, you know, that I'm sure everyone sees, has been there for a long time now, but I don't see it when I look in the mirror, so out of sight, out of mind, out of my mind, and not out of everyone else's. You know, and I have a bit of a gut and, you know, I'm not fashionable. I don't know. I don't, I have a complete uh, aversion to, uh, to, uh, you know, for, for knowing how to, how to, you know, dress. I just usually wear jeans and a t-shirt or whatever and a button up shirt. Um, I just don't know how bad I'm coming across or how, you know what I mean? Like how, <clears throat> like, I know I'm just sort of. I know it shouldn't be. I'm a person and everyone should be nice to each other, but I just don't know how. It just annoys me how I don't know quite how weird I'm looking to these other people. And I'm just sort of assuming a shallowness on their part, but, you know. And then, of course, a related question that's annoying. Are there any other people for really, you know, the whole solipsism uh, struggle? Right? Are are there really any other people, or am I the only thing that is exists? Now, obviously, if you're listening to this, 
<coughs> you may be you may be thinking that I'm just part of your fantasy, but we really can't know considering the setup we have here where we're cut off from each other psychically or perceptually and we can only sort of s connect with each other through the five senses, right? That we don't know necessarily. And I and I do think at a gut level I feel like there are real people, but it it seems like there's got to be um there's got to be a lot of NPCs or non-player characters in this world. <clears throat> but it's annoying to say that because that's sort of, again, disrespecting people that you just sort of imagine they're not real. I mean, it may not be exactly like that. <laughs> I mean, the times I've really delved into the topic of consciousness, it's hard to... It's hard to come to, it, it, it always inevitably comes to the conclusion that there is only one consciousness, that there can't be multiple consciousnesses. And that we're all just characters that are sort of run by this one consciousness. So it's not that other people aren't real, it's just that, you know, you're running one person at a time. And maybe the people exist as potentialities, that they they could gain the perspective of the, of the master consciousness. Um, but... Yeah, <clears throat> that is kind of annoying. The fact that, you know, it does seem that this, this place we're in, no matter what the explanation of it is, that there is so much uh, that's hidden and blocked from us at this level is kind of annoying. But again, it's part and parcel of... What does that even mean, part and parcel? <laughs> it's... it's, it's, it's uh, that's just a, a turn of phrase but I, you say it but you don't even know what I don't even know what it means part and parcel I could say it's part of but it's part and parcel of it's kind of cool though that doesn't annoy me that's kind of fascinating like a parcel the hell is a parcel I think I've gone down this road on, on the overnight scape it's not a box I think it's I think it's something that has like strings around it or something remember how they used to have that thing in uh, bakeries they had this weird like mid-century looking like giant like cone type of thing hanging from the ceiling that had like a ton of string inside of it <coughs> and they would like pull the string to like wrap up the boxes <laughs> what was that all about i remember that i think that's before that before they invented tape but wait a minute i think they invented tape a long time ago scotch tape that's been around for a long time Okay, okay. I, I, as as resident old geezer, I'm leaping in here. I am pretty sure that yeah, they would wrap and they would wrap things in paper a lot. But that string was so you could carry. They would not use. I mean, nowadays you think of string and you think of this insubstantial, but string back in the day, just like a two by four was really two by four, maybe even a little bigger. God forbid. I mean, it, it, they just shaved everything down. And uh, this is another case of that. It was good, strong string. And yes, it would make an X or a cross that you could reach and you could pick up the package with one hand, which was a handy thing to be able to do at that time, I suppose. It wasn't a super consumer society, so you picked up your box or whatever it's just another way of moving and it also held up the integrity of the box itself and 
a lot of things wear better if you can carry them upright and more or less the bottom to the ground and the top to the sky I'm driveling along here but while I interrupted I've already got notes um, uh, I don't think necessarily we could be part of one consciousness but remember inside of each and every one of us there is one consciousness but we have many facets uh, and pieces that don't necessarily examine separately like in a stamp album seem to go together like that funny line uh in lovers one minute everything is very gentle and the next minute it's off into almost some animal rutting screaming gasping uh yeah all those things and that's it's in us we have the capacity to be very so i i i uh i'll toss this out here wavelengths People can be, it's, it's the same, and at different times in our lives or in our day even, we can be on different wavelengths. Uh, and this is again an analogy, and I make the crappiest analogies on earth, but that, that, that could be something. Let's, uh, we will get back to that. And uh, another quick thought before I hand you back to Frank. To those we consider NPCs, when they gather and talk amongst themselves, we are the NPCs. That whole string thing. Let me look this up. It kind of it annoys me that I don't know the history of the string thing at string dispensers at at bakeries. Hold on, bakery twine. Hmm. Yeah, here it vintage retractable hanging string dispenser. Yeah. Wow, that's it. Look at that. Yeah. It almost looks like an elongated acorn. Yeah. Vintage commercial baker's retractable hanging string dispenser. This is a rare find. It hangs from the ceiling at the counter of a bakery. You'll be able to pull it down when a box of pastries have been filled. It is used to tie the string around the box. Once you have completed tying <coughs> the box, the string dispenser can be gently pushed back up and out of the way. Still has a large bolt of string inside. This one is canary yellow and is dated around the 50s or 60s. Wow, that's very cool. How much? I don't know, this is some... This is on Pinterest. That site annoys me. Pinterest is like this... It's like this middleman of websites that takes all these images and kind of like hides them behind their own crap. Pinterest really annoys me. All right, so bakery twine. I I, I don't know. Vintage hanging string dispenser. Here's a store that still has one. I don't know. I don't know. But anyway, the sense that we're in this world cut off from a larger realm of information, to me, it's it feels, it's one of those things that annoys me every day. It's bugging me. 
that it feels like there is some technology at work. I have theorized it could be something you might call cognition cancellation. <clears throat> that, for example, your thoughts, your cognition, are a series of waves. Though it feels, I don't know, it feels kind of, what would you say? Disrespectful to say that our our minds, are the, the, the essence of our existence is just a series of waves. <clears throat> but I don't know. That uh, there are certain of those waves that could be suppressed by using a, you know, sort of the same as sound cancellation technology, generating the opposite wave. So that we can enter into here. And again, this can be understood better as the video game allegory. Um, that, right, once you, had vir once you have really good virtual reality, <clears throat> you're solving that visual aspect thing, the focal point thing, as Chad was talking about in the latest Exit Ramp. Um, and you really feel, you could really feel like you're immersed inside a video game. That the final frontier of that would be, well, you still know that you're just a person playing the game, right? Um, so, but a technology or a method methodology that could pr that could temporarily um, uh, sub subdue subvert that could temporarily uh, suppress that's that's the right word that could temporarily suppress is that just a coincidence that the sub words and suppress suppress has to be related to the sub right let me look at the etymology but right somehow suppress your knowledge of self. To make the immersion complete. You see what I'm saying? Let me look at this. Suppress, uh, to be burdensome, to put down by force or authority, yes. From the Latin suppressus, past participle of supprimere, press down, stop, hold back, assimilated from the form sub. Below. Yes, it is, it is based on sub, okay. And primere, to press. Hmm. But it is press. It is suppress. From the Proto-Indo-European root pair to strike. Wow. I, I think Proto-Indo-European is a theorized language. I don't know if it's been proven to exist. Obviously, we'd have to get a time machine for that one. But I think they found a lot of uh, similar sounding words in all these languages all around Europe and India. India and Europe, basically, Indo-European, yeah. And so they sort of worked backwards and created this Proto-Indo-European, which is considered what could be a, a root language for all these other languages. But another thing that annoys me is the, uh, the practice in a popular discourse of presenting two and only two choices and even though there are innumerable choices other than those two and um, telling people they have to choose one or the other and essentially not said is that all of the other possibilities are not even worth your consideration. These two are the only two. So for example um, do you want to be a Democrat or Republican? And I and if I say, well, I would not want to be either one, and I would never vote for those scumbags, and people are like, you're wasting your vote. 
just because I voted for Steve Saylor, the gag candidate from YouTube. No, <laughs> it's I felt great about voting for him the last two times for president, and I'll vote for him again in 2024 if need be. Um, this is a first of all, it is kind of annoying that people fall for this, though I understand it's it's hiding in plain sight. There are so many issues where um, the two choices are presented and people are so caught up in the ins and outs and the intricacies of the debate of these two things that they can't see that there's other possible, there's other choices. One of my, uh, one of the, the biggest ones of these, I think, is about human origins, which I did touch on on the show this past week. Um, evolution versus creation. This is a big one because... This presents two ideas that I think are both of which are a bit uh, questionable and you have to choose which one of those two ideas you believe in, which I think is, uh, you know, unfortunate. You know, and the thing is, the theory of evolution annoys the hell out of me because it is... uh, it's an idea that I think earlier in its in its life, what was it, <clears throat> late 1800s, early 1900s, whatever time period, Charles Darwin and stuff. When it comes to science, a science is a process of uh, coming up with theories, testing theories, and this, the scientific method itself is great. It's ex- extremely effective. But in terms of... Um, to tell us what happened a million years ago, it's all just detective work. It's all just speculation, really. We just can't, just like with the Proto-Indo-European, we can't go back. And I think that science is supposed to present theories, and then as additional information comes to light, those theories must be um, revised, right? Right? And it seems like the theory of evolution, when it first came to be, seemed like it could be, that that it was a a viable scientific theory, right? And uh, and I think that at the time, with the available research, uh, you know, the, um, the information they had, it was certainly um, possible. I think that all of the research that's been done in genetics, in uh, discovering fossils, and and you know in 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 a hundred or one hundred and fifty years, whatever the timing is, I didn't look it up. Um, all of the information that's come to light, I believe, from what I understand, has really cast a lot of doubt on the I, the concept of evolution. However, unfortunately, it went it in that time. It's gone beyond a scientific theory to a an, an almost like a cult-like religious belief. <clears throat> and to the point that I remember trying to tell people, I remember being at work a number of years ago and telling this guy, you know, evolution is just a theory. It's not proven. He's like, no, it's proven beyond a shadow of a doubt. It is proven to be the way that human beings developed. I'm like, well, no, it's not proven. No. Yes, it is. Um, The... uh our understanding of the genome and genetics and how Darwin himself felt that these these uh, 
transitional fossils will be found eventually. They haven't been. And, um, you know, so that's the one side is evolution. And uh, <clears throat> while I will acknowledge that, again, this world we're living in, it's one of its major features is that we have been removed from the boot heel of the gods, so to speak, right? That we can, given all the information that we have, we can come to the conclusion that we are on this ball floating through space. And as far as we know, we are the most intelligent race out there. And we came about in an undirected fashion through this process of evolution. So we're living in a world without um, the need to look to God or gods for our creation and all our our management. Like we are ourselves, we are the controller of ourselves. There are no gods, there are no, there is no God or gods. So this sense that we are, um, we are the, the, the highest, this theory of evolution is, is a cornerstone of what makes this world what it is. And uh, so I, you know, as I do think I do love this world, I can't, you know, complain about something that is part of what made it what it is. But again, I, I'm annoyed because I look at the theory and I find it to be, um, <clears throat> it never was a proven theory. And, and with all of the, the, the recent developments, it's, uh, it's much less so. Then on the other hand, we have creation, which should, and I ha they have tried to separate it from Abrahamic religions through uh, <coughs> calling it intelligent design, but it's it's usually still very tied to Abrahamic religions, which Christianity, Islam, and Ju Judaism, and perhaps the Baha'i faith as well. <laughs> that Baha'i faith always gets in there. <coughs> um this idea that God, uh, an ill-defined, super-powerful being, uh, created human beings. Um, and again, this is without any specifics or without any kind of context. You're just supposed to believe that God created humans. And uh, this is this, you know, this one religious tradition that this God created us. And that itself, that's also kind of annoying. But I think that the <clears throat> the middle ground, which is literally a middle ground between the two, which is that this thing that we know as God or gods is actually um, another race of humanoid beings that has the technology and created us using science, essentially. Right? This, uh, I feel, is the most obvious um, explanation of biological human life on earth. Of course, part of human life is consciousness and consciousness is the ultimate mystery. And I don't know if we, we're ever going to solve that one uh, in, in the short term. But in terms of our situation here, it does seem that it was created by, again, for lack of another word, the Anunnaki. That, not that there's proof of that, but that as a theory, right, that as as a theory that should be considered and not just these two another one that i that has 
come to light recently is the flat earth versus ball earth uh, debate. And this one is a bit more like esoteric in that um, you know, for whatever reason, I've always doubted the story that we're on this giant ball earth floating through this cosmic void. It just didn't ring true to me. So like seeking out any information as to how this might not be a ball floating in space, you will inevitably encounter, as I did back in the 90s, the flat earth theory. Uh, which it, itself is very, especially at that point, like the uh, Flat Earth Society with Charles Johnson, um, <clears throat> very, very intertwined with Christianity, right? And using the Bible as 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 part of the proof of it, which is not going to really fly with a lot of people. That's not a proof because it's in the Bible. Um, but the theory that our Earth is just a flat plane with a dome over it, et cetera, et cetera. Um, I was uh, so I was in the flat. I joined the Flat Earth Society in, in the mid '90s, and I I don't think I ever was. <clears throat> I've always felt like that was the only game in town about questioning this, and I still think it's a good question. But the flat Earth is not a good. There's many other answers. It doesn't have to be flat or or a ball, right? And I think <coughs> most of those. Most of the other explanations, as far as I understand it, involve um, higher dimensional geometry, which I know it's something that people don't understand. And if you talk about the next, this is what really annoys me. If I talk, you talk about the fourth dimension, people are programmed to say the fourth dimension is time. I've had this happen over and over again. I'm like, say, imagine a four dimensional direction. Oh, the fourth dimension is time. I'm like, no, I mean, I understand if you were to map out a sequence of volumes, uh, you know, over the course of time, that could be considered a, a, a four-dimensional space. But no, I'm talking about the an actual direction. No, Frank, the fourth dimension is time. Um, I think that <clears throat> uh, so much of the uh, discourse and this, the flat earth theory like got revived like 10 or 15 years ago. And became this major thing online, right? So anyone that was questioning the nature of the world will wind up in the flat earth theory, which I think is perhaps almost completely um, wrong about its, its conclusion. I think that we're living in the sense that this is a constructed world. Yes, they, they, have, they imply that. But... I don't think it's a flat disc with a plane over it, with a dome over it. <clears throat> I think that this world, and again, this is my theory, the world is a, is a constructed place, like a building, um, but it, it, it's a three-dimensional volume that is built in a higher-dimensional environment, an environment where there's structures and objects that are in four-dimensional or five-dimensional or six-dimensional space. And that, that is the real thing they're trying to prevent people from thinking about, right? That is what keeps us here, is that we, we, we're not even thinking about how do we move four-dimensionally, right? 
no, it's not even on anyone's radar. So the flat earth theory is purely three-dimensional in its scope, right? And uh, <coughs> it's keeping us away from what I do think that science, scientists would be able to solve this problem of moving in, in a higher dimensional direction and sort of, you know, allowing us to escape from this place, which I'm sure everyone wants to escape from this place. But yeah, so the flat earth thing, so that debate, flat earth versus ball earth, is one of those uh, dialectics, you might call it, that seems to be diametrically opposed, but they agree on a third thing that is sort of hidden. In this case, well, the nature of our world exists only in three dimensions, you know. Yeah, but one thing the flat earthers say is that uh, this is the only world that exists, you know, and God created it, and it's the only world, and I think that's, you know, I, it's not that I have any proof of it, but I do feel like there's a strong possibility that there's many, many worlds, and not just this one. But I also think, I don't know if this bugs me, but I feel like on my show the other day, I was talking about the kind of sweet spot in pop culture and society that happened in the 70s and 80s and how if that was an incredible discovery, the idea is that if you were, um, if you have access to a system by which you can travel through time or make branching realities and alternate timelines. The the thing that happened in our timeline, essentially after World War II, but then really the 70s and 80s, specifically in terms of music, movies, um, every all other forms of pop culture, right? If you... Th- it, to me, it feels like an especially rich vein of um, <coughs> existence that may have been developed after innumerable iterations. Um, that where we are now is just, even though the the most potent, as, the most rich vein is in the past, they're just letting, uh, they're just letting it to keep. Why am I not able to say this? They're keeping it running because we're in a timeline which in the past had a very rich vein of of pop culture. See what I'm saying? No? (sighs) Yeah, I think I'm going to have some breakfast now. As I I had no appetite when I had my 24-hour bug. But I think my appetite's back. I I think I'm back in business. I think I'm past it now. I don't think it's COVID. I'm going to take a COVID test a little bit later, though. Just to see. Oh, I think my brother's going to that that thing with my cousin Vinny out in far west New Jersey. Great. Anyway, it's just some views on what's bugging me. Back to you, PQ. 
Yeah. Uh, don't you wish you were here? You could do a follow-up. Maybe you'll inspire me to do uh, a Quake Reversal Satellite. This is this was a tasty topic. Uh, and yes, I get what you mean by this sweet spot of pop culture. We were in that time where there wasn't this overwhelming amount of content prepared for broadcast and and as we've oft discussed there were a few channels and as they started to hit towards 24 hours of content they were pulling from everywhere the 30s the 40s the 50s the 60s and uh, here we were in the 70s just all this stuff and no particular rhyme or reason or theme there wasn't the cartoon channel or the news the news was like a half hour in the evening and then it was done and then there was another half hour after the tv stuff the real stuff was over or vice versa if you were a news person you got little doses but it, it was simpler for sure and you were like watching sitcoms you were seeing how people lived in different times and absorbing it uh now i mean how far back does a person see say you're uh, 12 years old and you've been set in front of the tv and the internet and not really you know explored a little but where you get way back in the 1990s oh those 1980s that's a long time ago and yes it is i mean when i was in 1970 when i was 10 40 50 years before that was yep that was a long long time the 1920s 23 skidoo yeah well you i hope I'm making some sort of linear sense. But yeah, we had this cascade of this museum and we lived in it. This museum of the past all around. It, it was good. And I, I, I wish that I could bestow this upon like my, my kid, my grandkid, you. Uh, you youngsters back in my day. But it, it was cool. I have to say, and I concur with Frank, uh, as far as the kind of crap pop culture that we love so much, that having a nostalgia for that, yeah, it makes me an old geezer, but a happy old geezer. And this happy old geezer, I've got a really great topic. And I, if you know anybody, uh, I shake the doors. We let let's make a big big episode here in midsummer 2022 and uh, the topic next week right here on the overnightscape central is we're gonna have each of our top 10 of anything anything i mean you can make it all that you can it's the top 10 of anything if you want to make it the top 10 of dry cat foods at the 
Oh, maybe Neil would uh, be interested in doing that. Do you listen, Neil? Or I, I, I'm curious who's out there listening. Just uh, get, uh, even send it in in a text form, and I will read it on your behalf. And this one would be an easy one to do that. I mean, if you don't want to talk or you don't want to get on the mic or what have you, but th- this is good. The top ten of anything right here next week on the overnight scape central and uh here's how all that deadline uh stuff works yeah oh we're moving into august uh the deadline is uh late august 1st or if you get it to me early august 2nd i think we will be in good shape for your uh inclusion and and, and as far as that goes i don't disinclude Anybody, There is yet to be something, I mean, if yes, if it's some sort of uh, profanity rant that has nothing to do with the actual subject, I probably would discard it, but it doesn't have to be big, it doesn't have to be long, maybe you only have a top five of everything, it's all fine, um, but yes, the uh, deadline August 1st, 2nd, uh, get it to me and uh, I'll get it out there. The email address, this is what you're really going to need. You got a pen or whatever you use to note such things. The email address, I keep telling you, is kpqr.torc at gmail.com. That's right, it's kpqr.torc at at gmail mm-hmm, dot com and yes remain calm as well uh another great show thanks frank for keeping it going and making it so i don't talk to myself uh although that could have been interesting this time around uh oh frank is so good at this and uh it is a privilege working with everybody here i mean we have such an incredible uh crew on the overnight scape underground uh listen go back to the archive go to go into the past it's just such great stuff and uh, as always as we part company Set the controls for the heart of the fun.